Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated General Grabber ATX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. This week on Prime Cuts, Chad Millman, Sharper Square, Nick Wright on if Jim Harbaugh makes the leap back to the NFL and my top takes of the week. So the knock on the Cowboys was going into this game, they'd beaten the Giants twice, the Jets, Washington, New England, Carolina, a beat-up Rams team, and the Chargers. Well, Rams are now pretty good. Chargers are talented. You know, Seattle's competent. Uh, Washington's always in most games. Um, they're a 9-3 and three football team. I don't think they're as talented as San Francisco, but I do think they present some things where you can argue they can go toe-to-toe and beat Philadelphia. And the number one reason is the Cowboys have seven blowout wins. And over the last decade, nine of 10 Super Bowl teams have averaged seven to eight blowout wins. Dallas has seven. Philadelphia has two. So San Francisco and Dallas are the two teams in the NFC that blow people out. They flex because they can. Philadelphia would love to blow people out, but they can't. Uh, Their back end of their defense is weak. Um, Offensively, Jalen Hurts is terrific, but he has become a very good second-half quarterback and can struggle in the first half. They've trailed their last four games at half. So I think if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, I've always had the kind of the same feeling about the Cowboys for the last 25 years. I always say Tony Romo was pretty good. The Cowboys are pretty good. Jason Garrett was pretty good. Mike McCarthy's pretty good. Dak's pretty good. And I'm always right. They always win about nine or 10 games, maybe 11, 12. But I never feel that our Super Bowl team. I do believe if CeeDee Lamb stays healthy and Tyron Smith, the left tackle, stay healthy, because Dak's having a good year and McCarthy's obviously elevating Dak, that if they can stay healthy with Tyron Smith, uh, Ferguson's, you know, productive and C.D. Lamb, they can they can win shootouts and they're good enough defensively. Uh, they'll be a good team playing with a lead because of the pass rush. I do wish they went and um, acquired like a Derrick Henry at the trade deadline. I think what they really miss is they have a lead in the game and they just want to eat the clock. Uh, they want to power run it and they're not really, that's not what they're built to do. Um, they can score, they can score quickly, they can score a lot. But I, I don't feel I feel like they miss sort of that power offense where they could just hand it off to a Derrick Henry and just say six minute drive, 
let's pick up first downs, never drop back to throw. So, and I think San Francisco can do that. Philadelphia can do that. Um, the, the better teams, Baltimore can do that. The better teams in the league can do it. And I don't think Dallas can, but we have to be honest about Mike McCarthy. We have to be fair and reasonable. And Mike McCarthy has taken Dak Prescott, you know, a couple of years ago, pretty ugly injury. Um, Michael Gallup's never been what they thought. Brandon Cooks isn't what everybody promised he would be. They lost Dalton Schultz. They couldn't afford him. Amari Cooper. And you look up today, Dallas is a good football team. And I've been calling them pretty good for 25 years. I think they're very good. I think they're a very good football team. And I haven't gone pretty good to very good on Dallas many times. But you can't get too caught up on the fact that their defense gave up a bunch of points tonight. Listen, it's the NFL. This isn't college football. <laughs> DK Metcalf was a huge matchup problem. Seattle's got Lockett, uh, the rookie receiver. Noah Fant's a huge body. DJ Metcalf. Uh, and I thought their offensive line tonight, you know, created some holes early, especially on the ground. You know, Seattle's got a lot of talent. They, they've Shane Waldron's a respected offensive coordinator. You're not going to throw shutouts. Right, the the defensive rules don't allow it. You're not you're not keeping talented teams and veteran coaching staffs to 17 points every week. It happens, but um, I think I'm going to go from pretty good to very good for the Cowboys, and I have not done that much. And Mike McCarthy deserves credit, and I've been critical. But Dak's 29 of 41, 300 yards, three DDs, no picks. That's big boy football. How about them Cowboys? David Tepper firing Frank Reich. I have talked about this and about the low hit rate on quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think a lot of it is the business side of the NFL. All these owners are now billionaires. So they look at a coaching contract where they owe a coach $70 million, $60 million, $50 million. It's a rounding error. It wasn't when owners were making, uh, you know, $25 million a year and had a net worth of $400 million. They would not just write off a coach after 12 games, 13 games. But now these guys are all worth $6 billion, $14 billion, $20 billion. David Tepper is, I think, first or second, third richest owner. He's just going to write it off. And so what happens is Bryce Young now gets another coordinator, another staff, another system, and that will stunt the growth of Bryce Young. And I think Part of why all these young quarterbacks, Tom Brady talked about the league, football's not as good as it was years ago because there was more stability. It's hard enough to be a quarterback in this league. I mean, Bryce Young, he got a new coach, new system, new coordinator, new quarterback coach. He's not even through year one. They, they've already got rid of their guy. And so I think when something is hard to do, franchise quarterback play in the NFL, and then you add chaos and change to it makes it twice as tough. So, you know, the, Tom, when Tom Brady said, uh, you know, quality of play in the NFL is worse, ownership is richer, more impatient, more meddling, more impulsive, more willing to make radical and quick changes, which makes it harder to quarterback. It doesn't make it harder to be a good running back or a good corner or a talented left tackle. The quarterback is all about coaching and system and momentum and protection and chemistry and choreography. And if you're constantly changing coordinators, I've said this about Justin Herbert. He's on his third coordinator and his second head coach. What is he in year five? It's a lot of change and it just makes it really difficult. So I, I don't think, I think there's a 
direct correlation to quality of quarterback play and quality of football. You know, and a a great example, I mean, I think a a really great example of this is C.J. Stroud. Nobody wanted to watch the Texans the last seven or eight years, six or seven years. C.J. Stroud, now they play Jacksonville this weekend, highly entertaining. Highly entertaining. I mean, Russell Wilson gets the right coach. I like watching the Denver Broncos now. Young, tough defense. Uh, they can throw the ball. They run. They power run it. They've got Mims. They've got Jerry Judy. They got Cortland Sutton. They have capable tight ends. I like their running backs. Denver, all of a sudden, same roster as last year, but the quality of quarterback efficiency has gone up. Broncos are now a fun watch. <laughs> Broncos are like, okay, they can move the chains. They've won five straight. It's all the same players that six weeks ago. It's all the same players last year, except the left tackles here and healthy. But um, I don't think the quality of plays worse in the NFL. I think the impatience of owners and the constant influx of change has made it harder to be a franchise quarterback as a young quarterback. And that's what it looks like. Drek, uneven, inefficient. It's not good. But when you get good quarterback play, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, it's great television. It's fantastic television. You know, I went to watch Bonix, Oregon, play Michael Penix, Washington. It's one of the best college games I've ever been to. I watched Matt Leiner at USC play Vince Young, Texas years ago, years and years and years ago. It's one of the best college games I've ever seen. So, you know, you can have the world's greatest athletes. New England with Brady, defensive culture, couldn't turn them off. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, unwatchable. <laughs> Simple as that. Football's not worse. Impatience is at an all-time high, top-down. Puts pressure on the coach, the quarterback, the coordinators. It's not good. Carolina, embarrassing, not good. The Rams right now, believe it or not, are in a dogfight for a wild card spot in the NFC. And so this is this was a team, Vegas had their over-under at about five. And I had said in the offseason, uh, I had to talk myself out of putting them in the playoffs because I said, if you have a really smart offensive coach and a really talented um, quarterback and at least one big time weapon, Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, you know, they had a couple offensive linemen I liked, a good tight end, Tyler Higby, who had a couple touchdowns today against Arizona. I'm like, that, that, that's a team battling for the playoffs. But because they had so many young players defensively, you know, my takeaway was they probably won't. They won't stop people. Well, Raheem Morris has been a great defensive coordinator for them, but it's really the Rams kind of ironically have become the opposite of the Chargers, where the Chargers are constantly underachieving. The Rams are the opposite. I mean, if you really look at what this year was outside of Aaron Donald, it is a bunch of kids. There is no money on the defensive side at all, and they're playing very well. Now, They were physically controlled by the Philadelphia Eagles, a stacked, often veteran roster. Outside of that, they have been in every game this year um, and have beaten teams, swept Seattle, and it's just coaching. McVay owns Pete Carroll. Stafford's better than Geno Smith. But the Rams, I mean, even if you go back to their Super Bowl year, it took Matt Stafford, uh, you know, they were struggling a couple of blowout losses. Um, you know, they had Cam Akers, who they liked but didn't love. He had a bit of a fumble problem. 
Uh, they almost blew that game in Tampa because of Cam Aker fumbles. You know, it was a team that had uh, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but Jalen Ramsey would bite and get burned over the top a lot. That was a team that was trying to kind of figure and find its way, and they eventually did for a Super Bowl. But I, mean, I would say for a majority of the year, we did not look at that Rams team as a Super Bowl team. They had some ugly, ugly losses. And they just kind of find ways to win with Sean McVay. Now, he struggles in the regular season against Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. They just don't match up particularly well with them. But outside of that matchup, I'm watching the Rams this year. The play calling... Now, Arizona's not a great team. Nobody thinks they are. The play calling today, though... I mean, Cooper Cup is not 100%. If you watch the game today, he is his first catch of the game. He's limping. Um they got Williams back. Kyron Williams, a very nice running back, very shifty, very clever. Uh, and that gives them kind of a, a one-two punch at running back and wide receiver. But this is a team that I would argue doesn't have a single great player in their prime. Aaron Donald's not. Cooper Cup is not. Matt Stafford's not. Rob Havenstein is a good, good right tackle, but he's not in his prime. They don't have a single great player in their prime. Now, go to the Philadelphia Eagles in contrast. Jalen Hurts, great player in his prime. A.J. Brown, great receiver in his prime. Uh, Devontae Smith, excellent player in his prime. Their left tackle, young player. PFF, top-graded left tackle in his prime. That's just on the offensive side. <laughs> so, so Philadelphia is stacked and will probably win the Super Bowl. Uh, if you go to the 49ers, uh, Fred Warner, I think, is in his prime, late prime. Uh, but, you know, Bosa in his prime, uh, Debo in his prime, Brandon Ayuk just moving into his prime. Rams don't have one. So uh, this is a team, there are certain teams in this league, the Chargers being one, Buffalo another, that kind of find ways to lose. You know, the Rams being a viable playoff team with this roster is, I mean, they've been moving offensive line pieces around, uh, going to get running backs off the street, needed Puka Nakua, the fifth round wide receiver early when Cooper Cup was out to produce offense on the perimeter. Tutu Atwell was a, was a bust seemingly at wide receiver. He's now semi-viable big play receiver. They are just coaching and drafting and development. And I mean, in the same building, you've got a team that finds ways to lose and a team that finds ways to win. There's no way the Rams should be a more viable playoff team this year than the Chargers. I, again, Chargers, Justin Herbert in his prime, their left tackle, Slater in his prime. Those are great players. Derwin James in his prime, Bosa in his prime. You know, several high-end players. Rams don't have one. They have good players, no great players though, in the middle, in the meat of their career. You know, I, I've said before, we're all morally flexible. Okay, we're, we're all morally flexible. We all speed. Yeah. I drove about 80 getting to my house today, though I don't have a speeding ticket. Um, you know, if I'd gone through a school district, I wouldn't, but it was all like, you know, just freeways and stuff. And it is interesting, yeah. the position that I, and you're not a big college football fan, but it's beyond that, that I know Jim Harbaugh's program did something that appears to be deceptive, but it doesn't bother me. And the reason it doesn't bother me is because, and it's probably two or three different reasons. One, it's like taxes. If I write off a bottle of wine, I'm not the first, and I'm kind of a sucker if I don't. 
right? Like at, at some point you're like, eh. and yeah. the other thing about it is I feel deep down because I've, this has been sourced multiple times. There's been so much cheating going on and I don't think Harbaugh and Michigan's history indicates they ever bought players or skirted the system. But I sort of feel like a lot of people that are pissed off are Southern college football fans who now acknowledge, you know, Michigan and everybody can buy players too. And um, now the NIL and transfer portal, it's even the playing field out. And I think that combined with Harbaugh's unique personality, I'm rooting for Jim to not be punished too severely. Well, I listen, I agree with all almost all of that. Uh, and so a few things. One is I it's also bad for college football if he's punished super severely because it makes right. it more likely he leaves college football. Yes. And Jim Harbaugh is good for college football. Nobody benefits from Jim Harbaugh going to coach the Bears right. other than potentially the Bears. And so he he's good for college football. I I also don't think there's a lot of people out actually outraged by this. I think there are people that either had an axe to grind or have their own purposes served by Michigan being dinged that are acting like they are deeply morally outraged. I'm not acting like there aren't moral outrages in sports. There are sometimes it almost always to me involves off-field violence, particularly off-field violence towards yeah. people that can't really defend themselves. And you know, they, I'm not, I'm, I've never been one that's, I'm not that outraged by when pre-NIL guys paid for players. I wasn't that outraged. I'm not that outraged by to, uh, a pro athlete getting in a bar fight. There are different things though, that, and everybody knows what they are, where you're like, no, that's beyond the pale. And it makes me feel kind of scummy rooting for this guy or this team. And that's, but this was not a hard one for me. It did not seem like now there are. And so we all have different lines. If the scandal was, and maybe people will say, Nick, you're just drawing totally arbitrary lines. So be it. If this was the allegation at Michigan Stadium, at the big house, they would systematically cut off the ability for oh, the yeah. opposing team to communicate coach to quarterback in key yes. moments. I would think that is yes. a massive violation. That is to me, and again, I don't I know do. why that well, is in one because category. Because in 1994, this, when they ahead. set the rule, there were camcorders. It would have been very difficult to get those tickets. It would have taken you a week. And camcorders set up in a room, in an office, people. This is SeatGeek yep. iPhone. It just isn't the yep. same. Exactly right. And it also didn't, it felt like, Whenever there is a system that is built around the assumption there yeah. is some level of cheating, that cheating existing doesn't bother me that much. And by that, I mean the reason college football has four guys' faces on a placard as a sign and then they change it up or all these things is because there is the assumption as some of our signs might be stolen at some point. Nobody thinks that's not happening ever. So this one didn't, I agree with you on this. This one didn't uh, rise to the level of felony. Now, with that said, what did, I don't want to say bother me, but at least I found a little irritating, was Michigan acting like they are <laughs> this persecuted, you know, totally right. innocent babe in the woods. And the uh, Michigan, I, I understand in sports, but the Michigan versus everybody, 
and this idea that they have been wronged. I don't think Michigan has been wronged. I don't think they're the victim, but I also don't think they victimized anyone on any substantial level. And I think this, I think they're the best college football team in the country. You're right. I don't watch nearly as much as you do, but I watch the biggest games and I'm very familiar with the teams that are in the argument for the best college football team in the country. And I know Georgia fans are going to be like, we haven't lost in three years. Maybe it should be us. I get that. I think Michigan has just can, can beat you in almost every way. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to beat you 49, 45. I understand that, but their defense is too good in my opinion, to let a game get to 49-45. And so I just, I'm really impressed by them. I'm really impressed by them. And I'll be surprised if Iowa scores seven points. I know that game's on Fox. Everyone should watch it. But I'll be surprised if Iowa scores seven points. Our judicial system, our judicial system has layers of crimes, like levels of crimes. And and this is like speeding. Yes, Jim went too fast and probably flipped the burden of Maserati going 92. At 80 in an Acura, it wouldn't have been outrageous, but it was kind of in your face over the top, if it's true, right? It was a little, but it's still speeding. It's not, it's not burglary. It's, it, 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 this, yeah, no, correct. This is, this is at worst, to use the judicial analogy, the most (laughs) severe misdemeanor. It does not qualify as like the least severe felony. This is at most like walking out of of the supermarket and with something in your, you know, doing the self-checkout and being like, oh, I forgot the stuff at the bottom of my cart. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, you you, they might (laughs) even give you a court date for it, but it's not you probably don't need to hire an attorney like that's to me the level that that it was at. And also that's why. Your, since your show does yeah. a, your pod and your show does a substantial amount of college football, you guys talked about it. We, on my pod and on my TV yeah. show, we haven't talked yeah. about it once. Like, yeah, like it's just not our, like, I don't think, but yeah. if it was a true scandal, it was, we would, we don't talk a ton of baseball. Yeah. When the Astros thing was going right. on, we at least talked about that and what it meant. And again, that felt different. Maybe this is me sounding like an old man. But it felt different because there, the allegation of using of like high level technology felt like it was different than, you know what I mean? My my guy at second base can see the sign the catcher's giving and we've got a little system built in. It just felt different. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. 
Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So whether you're heading out to explore a new trail or looking to set a personal best on your daily run, start your journey off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Discover the power of advanced nutrition for strength and stamina at ProPlansport.com. That's ProPlansport.com. All right, John Middlecoff, former NFL scout on the Three and Out podcast for the volume. Let's start Philadelphia. Plays about as poorly as they can possibly play. This is the team you used to scout for. Uh, they have made sort of an art form out of sluggish wins. It's probably why I think I give them, I'd make them the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. I thought they were so, uh, in fact, it was my it was my uh, DraftKings bet of the week. I thought Buffalo and four and a half was a great bet. Um, did you have your doubts in this one? Because it was so sloppy early. Well, I mean, felt like a lock Buffalo win when it was 24 to 14 and they were in complete control. And then it went touchdown, Josh Allen interception, touchdown, and then they got the lead. And then he just went, well, this is the Philadelphia team we've seen all year. Because I don't think there's any player in the NFL who has looked as poorly in their parts of games and then turned the switch and looked like an MVP again. And maybe it's, you know, Romo, they, they had talked about that, whatever it is, the deep thigh bruise or the injury that he's dealing with. It's not something that, you know, you just, you got a pain tolerance. Maybe as the game goes on, he yeah. gets a little looser. Yeah. Because early on in games, there is no elite player who plays as crappy in the first <laughs> half as Jalen. You look up at his stats early on in the first half, he barely had over, he had under 40 yards passing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you look at the end of the game, you're like, I thought the guy was awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, he's been a, he's been a crazy roller coaster ride. And, and it goes back, you know, Josh Allen can't play much better. I mean, I, John Elway meets Cam Newton today, but yeah. You know, the Bills just find ways to lose games this year. I mean, they had 10 first half penalties. Uh, yeah. uh, I counted two drops. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. You know, and I'll get into this later. When you watch, like I watch what Sean Payton's doing in Denver, and they just don't make many mistakes. I don't think they're gifted. I think they have some really good players. Buffalo, um, I mean, I've, I've compared them to Mike Tyson. Like, they don't, you know, Tyson at the end didn't have a jab, uh, you know, left himself wide open, but he had this vicious power. And so he, you know, he swung from the heels. It was a little bit like Tiger coming out of his shoes as a golfer. It just yeah. made up. If, if the irons were off and I, and I look at Buffalo and I think, listen, you're not going to, there's not going to be a game this year um, that Philadelphia probably won't play that poorly for a half. They, I mean, they may, they, there can be sluggish. And to me, if Buffalo can't win this game, I mean, right now, John, um, Denver is the hottest team in the league. Buffalo's if, 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 if the chargers win tonight, does Buffalo feel like a playoff team to you? Uh, they don't because they can't win the games that they have to win. And tonight was a great example of 
They, their quarterback can't play any better. Their quarterback, really, this year, besides some of the primetime games, has been good. You know, statistically, he's top five in every yes. metric. Some would argue he's been a top two or three quarterback. But today's a great example. Their defense let him down. To me, the final drive that led to the 60-yard field goal and then the final drive that led to the touchdown in overtime, I don't understand why you completely just let them get easy completions when all game long you have been playing normal defense. Yeah. If they beat you, they beat you. It's it's a rainstorm. That that field is slippery. Yeah. Okay, if they make hit some miraculous play, you tip your hat. But to just play, you know, whatever, 8, 10, 12 yards off and give them completion after completion after completion with this offense, they're too potent once they get close. You saw on the final touchdown with Jalen Hurts at any moment he can run it. And obviously they're, they, they just got in field goal range. And honestly, if it wasn't for a Hall of Fame center making a couple shitty weird plays, you know, the pre-snap that cost him a couple yards – they, they would have had a 50-yard field goal, drove the field pretty easily. So, yeah, I, I do not think Buffalo is a playoff team. I, I'm with you. Denver is playing much better on defense, and there's a yes. belief. I, I don't see how you lose this game if you're Buffalo and have any belief. You know, that's well, – I think this – you start looking around, you go, what what else can we do? Time for another edition of Sharp or Square. I did not do Thanksgiving picks. I think I would have been about 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Uh, I didn't think Dallas would cover the spread, uh, missed on the Lions, but had a couple other picks. So let's just start with this week. I've been taking more favorites, I think, as the season ebbs. Uh, better quarterbacks, because there's so many injuries, can overcome banged-up rosters. So my first take um, is Chargers minus 5.5 at New England. I do not believe the Patriots want to win. I believe they want the third pick. How do I know this? Because of some of the moves they've made in the secondary with players deactivating them and releasing them. They did not want to beat the Giants. They play. They don't announce the quarterback. I don't love the Chargers, but you have a staff playing for their lives. I'm taking the Chargers minus five and a half, sharp or square. Number one, Colin, if you didn't make any picks, you wouldn't have gone two, two, and one. You would have gone five and up. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. Number two, on this one, the wise guys are against you. The line was at six. It's moved down to five and a half. This is not about the Patriots. You're not finding wise guys who are saying, boy, I'm really excited to bet on Bailey Zappi, and I think this team is really primed to do something great. It's fading the Chargers. You say this team is, this coaching staff is fighting for its lives. I think it's already over. I think the wise guys think it's over. It's not a team that's in playoff contention. It's not a team that's going to make the playoffs. It's a team with an incredible amount of talent that continues to not be able to execute. There's no reason for this team to be a six point, now five and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, it's not good enough defensively. They haven't proven to be good enough offensively in terms of executing. Keenan Allen has 97 receptions. He's second in the league in receiving yardage. It's the quietest, most irrelevant combination of great stats you're going to see from a wide receiver on a team that doesn't matter. Um, it's not the best number. I thought the bet of the week was the Niners plus points at the Eagles, but extra time to prepare for San Francisco, healthy, little revenge edge, and the number of snaps Philadelphia's defense, not very good to begin with, was on the field. I'm still going to take the Niners. I think they could win by 7 to 10. By the way, Super Bowl champs dating back seven years on average have eight blowout wins. Philadelphia has two. They We think they're a Super Bowl team because they're very good in these 
one possession games. So was Minnesota last year. The Seahawks two, three years ago. The Cowboys three years ago. Those teams get eliminated fast in the playoffs. San Francisco's the better team. They win here by seven points. Sharper square. Totally sharp. The wise guys were on this. Look, Sunday night, it was moving from two and a half before the Bills game was over. It was down to San Francisco plus two and a half. San Francisco plus one. Before the game was over, literally, I was trying to make a bet on Sunday night on the Niners at plus one. And before I could click done, the line moved from plus one to minus one Niners. And then it's gone up to two and a half. Every time it goes up to three, the wise guys take the Eagles at plus three. Then the other wise guys take the the Niners at minus two and a half. You said something really important. The Niners are blowing teams out. When Debo Samuel and Trent Williams are playing, this team is 8-0. They're winning by an average of 21 points. The team has not played in 10 days. They're as healthy as they've ever been. The Eagles, as you noted, had a lot of snaps. They played 95 snaps in a really bloody war against the Bills in a rainy, rainy Sunday game. They have not had as much time to get healthy. And I was listening to other podcasts like NFL players. They talk on these on these podcasts. They made a, one of those, Chris Long on his podcast made a really good point. Every hour counts when you are trying to recuperate for the next week. This is not a good spot for the Eagles. This is why the wise guys have been all over the Niners. Not getting the mess number at all. I like the Lions minus four, but I'll take a minus four and a half. I think Dennis Allen is in the race for the worst coach in the league. I think they massively underachieve. Derek Carr, um, you know, I always saw him as a life preserver to the Raiders. Maybe he's just checked down Charlie and not very good. Lions have been beaten now, not feeling good about themselves. I don't think the Saints can beat them at their weakness. I think Detroit humiliated, extra time to prepare, bounces back. I'll take him to cover, not the best number, sharper square. Yeah, it's there's not a consensus on this game. The wise guys lean Saints. It's why the number has sort of stayed where it is because the majority of the action, the public action, is all coming in on the Lions. And we saw it, like, and it's been at four basically since Monday. And when there's that much money coming in on one side, and the line really doesn't move, it's because the wise guys are sort of anchoring it in place, right? And so you know that the wise guys have been taking the Saints here. It's not like it's going to be their biggest bet of the week. There are other games that the wise guys love a lot more, but they like the number here, not because of what the Saints can do or necessarily what the Lions can't do. The last couple of weeks, Jared Goff hasn't played as well, right? And Dan Campbell, who's a brilliant football coach, also has an incredibly good offensive line, and he's got two really good running backs. And playing against the Saints, he has an opportunity to control the clock and let those guys run. It shortens the game, but it also means potentially less scoring. So it just might not be as big of a margin, which is why the wise guys like the Saints. A game I'm betting solely because of the number. I think the Texans probably win, but I would take Denver plus three and a half. I worry about the regression of the turnovers, which have gone all Denver's way in the last month. But they've also created many of those. The thing about Denver is their defense now is a story and their run game. They don't make mistakes. They keep it very much in the fairway. Uh, Houston's still young. C.J. Stroud is still young. He will face pressure. 
I think it's a field goal game, but the hook, I'd take Denver plus three and a half. You know, at this point in the year, you take the hook if you feel strongly about a team. Denver's won five straight. It's not luck. They're creating a lot of their own opportunities. Russell Wilson now making more plays, running more. Run game's very solid, and both can also uh, be active in the screen game. I'll take Denver in the point, sharper square. The coaches you want to bet on the past 20 years, Colin, Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and before the past couple of years, Bill Belichick. Those guys cash tickets. They are profitable coaches. By the way, Dennis Allen, I meant to mention this, 143 coaches the past 20 years, he's 142nd as the least profitable coach. So one more reason why you might be right to bet the Lions. But um, I think that the hook, what you're talking about, getting the hook, is the right side here. Wise guys have been a little bit all over this one. Like they bet it hard when it was a two and a half for the Texans. It's gotten a three and a half. They've come back a little bit on the Broncos. I think they are just playing the number. If it's below three, they're playing the Texans. If it's above three, they're playing the Broncos. Okay. Um, the Packers are the side, uh, I would imagine, at plus five and a half. Uh, and Mahomes is a bad cover if it's over like four or five. Uh, I do think Kansas City found a little bit of their way in the second half. I think Rasheed Rice is starting to look like a one. Um, Jordan Love is overvalued. The Chargers and the Lions secondaries are really, really bad. And Kansas City's isn't. I'm going to bet the Chiefs. I know it's square. Comment on it. Well, it's square. Uh, it just is. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's interesting because this is a game the wise guys have sort of planted a flag in the sand on. And they've decided that Jordan Love, since week nine, is a top five quarterback. And there are a lot of stats, a lot of the advanced metrics you can look at, EPA, things like that. They will tell you that Jordan Love has been incredibly good the past five weeks. And you can also look at what the Chiefs have done and take last week against the Raiders with a grain of salt, they have been terrible in the second half. Second half unders with the Chiefs this year, 11 and 0. They are not a team scoring in the second half. So what the wise guys are banking on is an improving quarterback against a team that has not been scoring in the second half and the opportunity to keep the game close when they are at home as a big underdog. And, and especially these primetime games they have been trending towards the under. And so when you have a game that is going to be low scoring, the bigger underdog tends to cover. Chad Millman, CCO Action Network, all odds provided by DraftKings. Good seeing you, buddy. Good to see you too, man. The Volume. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.